Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle fan. You can get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two ends. I write for EPL Index and appear on the championship pod on this channel as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Uh, a few weeks ago, we said we weren't going to talk about managers on the show anymore. Dave and I did a whole hour and a half long managerial special, which is still out if you'd like to go check that out. Um, but then, unfortunately, there had to be two big high-profile managerial appointments this week, um, of course, involving Arsenal and Everton. It is the only newsworthy thing that those two clubs did together this week. Certainly not their match. Uh, but, of course, Arteta joining Arsenal, Ancelotti joining Everton, which will certainly surprise some, considering Ancelotti was one of the favorites to join Arsenal when... Uh, the original sacking of Unai Emery happened. So just wanted to get your guys' take as kind of an initial reaction. Obviously, neither of them took charge of their clubs this weekend. Uh, but which do you think is a better fit for their new club? Um, it's honestly hard to say because neither of them stand out as an obvious fit for the for the specific club. I guess Arteta, just because he has the history of Arsenal, and Ancelotti at, at Everton just is such a, such a move I did not expect, I, I have to say. I did not see that one coming. Um, so I guess Arteta at Arsenal is a, it, neither of them, I think are classically obvious fits, but, uh, I think that is a more reasonable fit, a more expected one, especially since he was linked to the job, um, when they hired Unai Emery, uh, he does have the history of, um, playing there and captaining there. Uh, and now he, you know, high, he was at least a man, an assistant at, other high profile jobs and Arsene Wenger almost hired or wanted to hire him as an assistant um, at Arsenal, but uh, before Pep hired him away. Um, so I'd, neither of them are really obvious fits, but I think Arteta makes a bit more, not even makes more sense. Cause obviously if, if Everton can get Ancelotti, um, that you get him, it's just unexpected. Uh, just, yeah, that's just a bit more fits in my expectations of uh, manager, managerial hires. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the, the Arteta one, fits better with the club um and i think that it would have been i I think for the arsenal sort of maybe wanted to go that way before and maybe just got a little bit scared of his inexperience um but it seems like it's been a long long time to make and whereas the ancelotti one is a bit bit out left field if he hadn't have left his job at napoli probably wouldn't have ended up at everton at this point um you can see the appeal for for everton he's obviously a winner um He's never really done a bad job anywhere, um, although you could say the, his, at Bayern and Napoli they w- didn't go as well, but wasn't a complete failure, I don't think. He's, it's a big name, and I think that Everton sort of wanted that um, to c- 
come in line with their ambitions as owners, trying to to build the club up to be in in that challenging for top six. Um, but then at the same time, I've, I, I'm not sure if he's ever really had much experience, or you know, at least very recently hasn't had much experience at building a club from the level Everton are and in a competitive league like the Premier League. Like um, if it was in Italy, um, I guess you could probably say there's similar tiers. Uh, similar teams to Everton there, but it would be be easier to build them up. Wasn't it? it's probably so unforgiving. It's I think it's going to be a real challenge for him. Um, but you know, it, he's such it's just such a weird one. I still don't know how to react to it. I, I think that it, it could go really, really well. Um, I definitely think the players there they've got a, a decent squad um, with a couple of additions. I think you know they're not a million miles away from competing um, with with sort of the top six or seven. But it's just consistency um, there. It, it just seems like it doesn't matter who they buy. They're just continually just inconsistent. Um, I'm not sure if Ancelotti's really the the right person to to take them forward. But it'd, it'd be a they're both exciting and, and intriguing appointments at the same time. But I'm not completely convinced either of them are going to be a huge success yet. But yeah, I think the Arteta one makes more sense with where Arsenal are now. Um, you know, they're start, he's starting with such a low base, he, it can't really go horrendously wrong. Uh, I guess the same for Ancelotti, really. But I think that, you know, that the Arteta, when he knows the club well, he knows the Premier League well, he's been working, or at least, you know, coaching in the Premier League for the last couple of years. So he's aware of how the land currently lies in the league. I'm not sure if Ancelotti is going to be quite as aware of of the likes of Sheffield United, maybe as as Arteta will be. They're both exciting, but yeah, I, I think the Arteta one makes more sense. But both of them, I'm I'm not too convinced by it at this point. Yeah, the Ancelotti one did definitely feel out of left field, and as you say, Jake, it just kind of seemed like it was convenient timing for both of them. Um, but yeah, just the profile doesn't seem to match. And as I said, it, originally. Uh, he was one of the better's favorites to get the Arsenal job, and then it seems like he wasn't even that heavily considered for that one. So time will certainly tell, but at first glance, Angelotti to Everton definitely raises a few eyebrows, and we'll see how it ends up working out uh, over the duration of his tenure. Uh, next up, I wanted to talk about the Club World Cup. Of course, Liverpool winning it uh, yesterday as we record. And I was just curious how you value that achievement do you consider that a big achievement for Liverpool and do you take any pride in it that, that it's an English club that holds that trophy uh I can't say I do um I, I'm it's in a way it is an achievement just because you have to win the Champions League to get there but as a trophy by itself I uh I, I really don't consider it that highly um just because the competition level is I, mean, I know it's like winners of all the champions leagues from the other um footballing bodies but you you always expect the european one to win just because of the level of football here um it's just higher i guess not here or there but uh, it's just higher than it is in the other continents uh just because of the money and stuff that's in it so i can't say i value it particularly highly um good on them for winning it you know trophies are trophies uh and again getting i think getting there is the more impressive achievement just because it takes winning the champions league but uh as a trophy by itself no i don't value it particularly highly um no i I'm, i don't think i'm that bothered by it to be honest i think it's i think fifa want to build it into something um 
and Liverpool being there has probably done a lot for the competition. Um, but, you know, it was, it was held at a weird time of year. It was held, you know, in Qatar. It's, it's difficult to really get excited by it. Um, Liverpool winning it, I, I think it's positive for them in that they just continually building this winning mentality that, you know, in the first couple of years of Klopp, they got to so many finals and they weren't quite doing it. And now they seem to be going to these finals, not playing too well and winning them. I guess that's only a positive habit for them. Um, but yeah, I'm not, as a, as a as a fan of a Premier League club, it doesn't really bother me if it's a Premier League club that wins it. And it's, I think for Liverpool in the long term, they're, they're probably more bothered about winning the Premier League. Well, obviously they would be, and this is only going to cause distraction. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they react to the quick sort of double game week coming up in with a game of Boxing Day and then another one a couple few days later um, after that long flight as well and readjusting it, it, that's going to be a big test for them um, and it, it'll be interesting if that has any negative impact but yeah I can see see why Liverpool fans are, are happy about it. it's a trophy um, they can call themselves the champions of the world which I guess can be fun but it, <laughs> they've played against a team from Mexico and a team from Brazil so I'm not really sure it's if the competition's really worth that much, because you know, obviously they're to win the Champions League to get there, but once they're there, they're obviously the overwhelming favourites to win it, and they've only really met expectation by doing so. Yeah, as you both say, I'm sure Liverpool fans will be delighted and not trying to take that away from them by any stretch, uh, and I'm sure they'll enjoy the new patch on their kits. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the the competition has established itself really as as a noteworthy achievement but of course any fan base that wins it it is another thing to add to the list and as you say the the winning mentality will just kind of keep rolling there uh at liverpool as they continue to add accolade upon accolade uh we'll wrap up uh news and notes with an unfortunate uh issue that happened today in the tottenham versus chelsea match um there was a racist incident towards antonio rudiger after a red card was felled uh, after a red card was called against sun hyung min uh rudiger pointed it out uh to the referee then he pointed it out to aspilicueta who reported it and then uh they formally entered the first step of uefa's racism protocol which is making a stadium announcement they then made two more uh throughout the match which technically means they could have abandoned the match um but that obviously did not happen. Um, but the UEFA protocol just dictates what happens on the actual match day. And it, I think, brings up the conversation again about what should be happening in terms of punishment longer term. And we've seen individual punishments, people losing their jobs, people being banned from stadiums for life. But I'm wondering if you guys think it's time to start ramping that up. As these incidents continue to occur, should we start looking at club-level punishments like fines or closed door matches or in the worst cases potentially even point deductions to really try to address something that continues to fester without really being curtailed too much uh short answer is yes yeah i think we should absolutely up the punishment to um to something that hurts the club um hopefully that just means that it'll help even i don't know if it'll necessarily prevent the people from doing it because obviously um if the people are doing it are already being punished, but hopefully it'll increase the um, the people around them trying to you know stop them from doing that or you know rep- report what they hear before it gets to the point where they're doing it to player or something. Um, it's obviously a very difficult issue to deal with, um, but something something more has to be done than um, what is currently being done. It it just has to be taken to 
whatever that next level is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's unfortunate. It's, it's not an issue that's easily solved, but there definitely needs to be an increase in punishment. And um, the FA need to, and the Premier League, and I think all governing bodies really in football need to see this as a bigger issue than they currently do. I think a lot of the stuff that they do at the moment is for show more than um, any serious action really being taken, which is which is sad. Um, and I think especially in the UK, uh, not to make it not to make it political, but it seems that this is a a big big issue nationwide at the moment with, with racism really taking a centre stage with with what has happened in recent elections and things like that. So I'm not sure if that's going to play into to football and how it's you know given in football stadiums and how it's um, how frequent it's going to become. Um, I I predict it might do sadly. Um, so it's definitely something that needs to be um, addressed sooner rather than later and I think that the incident today was it's, it's not great and I think that wasn't there a similar incident with Tottenham fans with Aubameyang a year or two ago yeah they threw a banana yeah a year ago yeah it's not it's not the first time it's it's happened with Tottenham so it's yeah it's I think especially if if clubs if supporters from certain clubs do if they're frequent you know offenders of, of racism or frequent cases come up i think there definitely needs to be some sort of punishment that that affects the club unfortunately it's, it, i know it, it's it is only the one percent but if, if we, we don't take action strongly it's, it's only gonna fester um and, and get worse yeah it's pretty clear that what we've done thus far hasn't worked so i'm all for kind of a ramping up uh you know much like richard mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking the same thing after the Manchester Derby. It it doesn't matter that I'm a Tottenham supporter. I'm, you know, not a racist and anti-racist first before club loyalty. So if it takes something like, uh, you know, a closed door match at minimum, or even, you know, if it happened a third time, if there was a points deduction, just so that people realized that, you know, because clearly the idea that they're hurting other people isn't having an impact. Maybe the idea of hurting their own club and their standing in the league would at least engender some kind of behavioral change because we've tried to do it nicely and maybe it's time to get a little bit more unnice about it all right like we'll obviously, take- obviously it sucks that it hurts your club that it hurts people's club who aren't doing the action but you know what sucks more racism that it keeps happening exactly all right we will leave that there and take a break and then we'll come back and talk more football with club specific questions for each of our guests Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today confidence starts with loving who you are and when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside you naturally radiate confidence from the inside give your skin a glow up with osea's clinically proven mega moisture duo this ultra hydrating body care features two of osea's best sellers undaria algae body oil and undaria collagen body lotion these seaweed powered heroes use skincare level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. All right, and we are back. Dan, we'll keep with you to start here. Obviously, the big news, we mentioned it in uh, news and notes, the appointment of Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. Uh, was just curious to get your take. We briefly talked about this uh, on Twitter, but... What do you make of hiring a candidate who was also up for the job when you hired Emery in the first place? Do you wish you had just hired him then, or do you think he did need more seasoning as an assistant manager before he was really eligible to get a job with this profile? Um, it's hard. I think I'm, I approve of the general risk profile, if that makes sense. Like I'm cool with the general idea of hiring the assistant coach that is highly thought of by lots of other managers and has experience under a very good manager. Um, so from that perspective, I'm cool with it. Uh, I think timing-wise, I would have preferred it to happen at, um, instead of Emery just because I think we had a bit more margin for error at that point, whereas at this point we've already spent what is it, three seasons out of the Champions League? Um, and we're looking to spend another one out. Um, I think the season's already a write-off, um, which is almost a good thing for Arteta, actually. I think he can, I, he at least should be allowed to just kind of focus on building up um, the team and kind of like analyzing uh, who fits with uh, what he wants to do as opposed to trying to like play for results because outside of the Europa League, like we're not getting top four. Um, we, like, there was a whole thing on Arsenal Twitter, like um, last season, there was a quote, hashtag projects, a specific number of points from a specific number of games for the easier part of our schedule. We already had that happen this season. Like we, Our fixtures only get harder till they flip back around. Um, we have a very difficult Christmas run um, or holiday run. And uh, so this season's basically already over uh, as far as, like what Arteta will do from now. I think it's a fine appointment, but it's a risk. Every appointment obviously is a risk, but this is probably more so than most. Uh, I think it's good that we are taking a swing because quite frankly, um, covering over the cracks has not been working very well. Um, but it's a risk. It's a very big risk that could, it hopefully it pays off and I'm kind of, I'm okay with the risk profile, but that doesn't mean it's going to pay off. Yeah, also in the wake of the hiring, I've seen a lot of people talk about how the manager wasn't the issue, which is interesting, but that certain players lack the kind of leadership or other English words for intangibles um, that players at Arsenal require. Do you think there needs to be a player clear out or do you think that the hiring of Arteta will be enough to turn this club around? No, I think there needs to be turnover of player as well, though to say... Um... Emery was not at fault is also incorrect. I think that's going too far the other way. Um, I, I definitely think he did a poor job uh, when he was in the job. Um, he was not given like the perfect roster, but the players have more than what they, um, than the results and performances we got out of him under Emery. Um, yeah. As far as the whole leadership stuff, I've, I'm not even sure that's wrong, but I know the way it's analyzed in, mainstream media is very poor in my opinion um, a lot of it's just based on like if you win you have leadership if you lose you don't um so you know i 
I don't even know if they're necessarily wrong in saying that, but I, I have issue with the process that, ne- that normally um, determines it. Like, I'm sure they had, I'm sure they said we had great leadership after we won, uh, went 22 unbeaten last season um, and off of terrible performances. Um, but now we, we get the bad results, you know, no, the, now our leadership is gone. Where is it? Where is it gone? Um, you know, it's, I have, I have issue with that general kind of narrative, but um, even if I'm not necessarily sure of a point itself is wrong. Gotcha. And then, of course, part of that clear out sounds like it will be Granit Xhaka with rumors very heavily circulating that he's set to move to Germany. Uh, is this the kind of situation where you'd just be happy to see the back of him after his behavior, after years of kind of lackluster performances, or do you just wish it had worked out? I mean, I wish it worked out. I wish every player worked out. But at this point, um, the situation is untenable. Um, it's and I, I'm not actually I'm not even sure it's like untenable but it's just there's just no reason to try and make it work um like he's the fact that he's playing again is surprising to me um and i know some people are really mad about it but some people aren't that bothered uh so yeah it probably could make it work if you absolutely wanted to but he's just not good enough where we have to try and he is clearly pissed off reasonably pissed off the fans enough where he's like yeah i want a new start uh so i think it's just best for both parties he moves on Gotcha. All right, Jake, we'll come to you now. Uh, Newcastle win. That's always fun. It's a late winner from uh, the Magpies, of course. But if for those that didn't see the match, how did that whole match unfold leading up until that moment? Oh, so the match was, was like any other Newcastle match where the game is absolutely terrible. The other As team you predicted last week, by the way, so congrats. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was just one of those games where we, we were just terrible. Um, as we normally are, and the game was really bad to watch. Not many chances. Palace probably the better team, um, and then we create probably the best chance of the game because we have Andy Carroll and Premier League defenders can't really seem to defend against him when you get a long ball into the box, which is a recurrent theme. Um, although he's offering no goal for himself, he is creating chances for others, which is a positive. Um, he, he is having a positive impact on the team, which, which is I guess what you want from your striker, even if they aren't directly scoring the goal so yeah it, it was it's weird to be in the position we are because I, I really don't think we've been very good this season um, a lot of the stats back that up um as i said last week we we are pretty we are near the bottom of pretty much any indicative stat but we are ninth in the table so um i'm not sure if there's some sort of intangible that isn't being measured uh the only thing i would say is that the players do i i never watch newcastle think we haven't put in the effort or that there's something lacking we always defend well we don't can see too many clear clear cut chances it, there seems to be a lot of shots from distance or um sort of like set piece chances which which are, i guess is a problem with the coaching but there's i don't i never think we're going to concede a lot of goals which i, I think is a follow-on from the benitas reign but um and we've got a lot of good center backs um at the weekend we saw lejeune come back in which was um good he played really well uh, and adds a little bit more ball playing ability in, into the back line which we need um if we're going to, you know, set up deep and and plan the counter attack, we need defenders that can launch attacks, and he can do that. So yeah, it was, it was a good performance. Another clean sheet. Um, I don't think Palace were very good, um, but I think I think the story of the last couple of weeks against Burnley and against Palace, if you know, it probably would have been fair if they were both nil nil draws. But we've come off losing one one nil and lose and winning the next. Um, so it, we we're, we're probably one point better off than we deserve to be over those two games, but. You know, we're up in ninth, got 25 points, 
10 points clear of the bottom three. We're, we're probably not going to be relegated now, even if we, we are are fortunate to have the points total that we do um, and hopefully that we can build on the, the strong defence we've got and, and start creating a few more clear-cut chances and hopefully that will come with Almiron maybe get a little bit more confidence after his goal, uh, having Shelby back and, and when St Maximum comes back that they can develop a lot more creativity than we're currently showing. Um, the striker is still an issue. Jolinton's really not playing well um, and seems to be a a poor signing at this point. He doesn't really suit the, the style we're playing. Um, Andy Carroll, I think, is much better as an impact player, not a starter. Um, with the way his body is after a lot of those injuries, uh, he, he seems to be a lot better when he comes on for 10, 15 minutes and, and cause you know, a lot of problems with his aerial ability. Um, and Dwight Gale is, is not a Premier League striker, so that's something we need to work on. Hopefully, Jolinton will eventually work out. Um, but it is difficult being the centre forward for a team that don't create many chances. You know, it it, it is a perilous job. And although he's not done too well, I think it's partly because of the environment in which he's playing in. Um, Rondon thrived in that. Um, but even with Rondon, I think we were a little bit more creative last year um, and a little bit better on the ball um, than than we are this year. So it, there's, there's problems. It's not great. Like, it, we, we've won, you know since the Man City game we've taken 13 points from five games but we could easily have taken nothing from those five games as well it's like if you'd have played those games all over again we probably wouldn't come out of that the, the points total that we do but you know you've got to take it it's football football's random um and and it, there's clearly something going on at Newcastle that isn't being measured there's there, there, there are a lot of good stuff there that it it's positive time to be a fan at the moment it's just you know, results can only go on so far with the performances that we're showing, and we need to be a little bit more consistent across the games in, in performances, and and maybe be a little bit more offence-minded when we have the ball. But yeah, it's, it's a positive performance going into Christmas. You can't complain. Twenty-five points from eighteen games is a very, very good record. Yeah, you mentioned there that a goal from Almiron might be a good way to get him going. It was a good goal as well, cutting it back on his right and then curling it into the bottom. Uh, how excited are you about what this could mean for him? Because you mentioned it last week, and Almiron himself mentioned it this week in the build-up to the match, that a goal, as you say, could kind of get him going. Yeah, I said, I said it last week. I, I feel like I said it a lot on this podcast. I felt like it only, would only take a goal, but when, when Thomas brought it up last week, I was a little bit more hesitant in in my assessment of Elmron, because there's only so long you can go without scoring goals that you can, you can take some from the performance, but you could see in the stadium, like everyone was delighted for him. I think that he's deserved a goal. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this will set him off now and he can maybe play with a little bit, a little bit less pressure on him. Um, and not have that sort of hanging over his shoulder that he hasn't scored a Premier League goal that they can push on. Um, especially in the next few weeks, you know, we've got Man United next week. I think that's going to be uh, or on Boxing Day rather. And I think that's a game that we can look at and, and try and win, um, given their recent form, uh, especially as, as how bad they seem to, to be against teams that set up deep and counter-attack. That, and that is, you know, what we do. Uh, and Almiron's pace will be key to that uh, when we don't have St. Maximum. So be interested to see if he, he can follow that up with another good performance there. Um, but yeah, it, it's he's definitely like his performance levels have deserved so much more than what he's got. But you know, you have to put the ball in the back of the net, and he's not been doing that. But he did that yesterday, got the three points, and to score a winning goal at home, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. You, if he if he, he can't kick on from here, um, 
then it would be a disappointment. Uh, you know, we're not expecting him to score every week, but if he could, you know, by the end of the season have five or six goals, maybe um, that would be a really good return for him. Uh, and he's definitely got the potential to do it. He definitely gets the chances to do it. He just needs to to be a little bit more clinical. And the way he took that chance yesterday um, was really impressive. And hopefully, yeah, he can kick on from there. Yeah, that win also pushes you up to ninth, a solid 10 points off of any of the relegation spots. That was obviously a concern coming into the season, both commentators and I think even yourself were a little bit worried about potentially being dragged into a relegation fight. Obviously, a lot of season left to play, but we're now at the halfway point. Are you feeling pretty comfy, like you might be able to avoid that whole situation here in 1920? Uh, Yeah, I think we should be able to to stay pretty clear of relegation now. I think we should probably be nearer there. Like, um, I really don't think our performances have warranted 25 points, but we've got them and we can't we can't complain at having them. And I think that from the last 20 games, we need, say, 15 points. I don't think, you know, any of the bottom three are going to get more than 40 points. So we need 15 points from 20 games. Like, even if we are as bad as we have been, we're probably going to get that because um, there are a lot of other bad teams in the league. Um and we see our home form especially has been really good. We've, we haven't lost there. going to be enough to get us to get us safe i don't think we'll finish top half but i reckon we'll be pretty safe in the middle of the table uh, and it would take quite some collapse now for us to get relegated uh, i don't think it will happen um and even looking down at the bottom of the table I, I don't see aston villa norwich or or watford um getting too many wins over the next few weeks anyway so i, I, I don't think that gap will be cut even if you know we do have a disappointing run over the next few weeks because we do have some difficult fixtures coming up but yeah, I think it, even in the more difficult games, sometimes that's where we have given our best performances. Um, thought we were good against Man City. I uh, thought we, we, well, we were good against Manchester United and Tottenham to win the game. So I think that you know, even in the di- more tricky games, we can pick up some points. And I think that we'll keep ticking along quite nicely and probably get safe by March time, which would represent a really good season for Steve Bruce. Yeah, we'll go from there into Player Watch, where we're going to talk about who we feel was our club's player of the year for the calendar year 2019. Uh, Dan, for Arsenal, who was the player that stood out the most for you this year? Uh, I had to be fair. I had Mirko Bamiang. Uh, he's he's been good. so much better than everyone else. It's really not a contest. Like, if you ask anyone and they say it's not a Bamiang, I'm really, really worried about their. Um, their ability to analyze football. Uh, he's been, he's won the Golden Boot. Um, a lot of that was done in the second half of the season. Uh, and now he's our leading goal scorer. He's contributed to half of our goals this season. Uh, he carried us through that Valencia tie in the Europa League final last season. Uh, he's been so much better. It's really not a contest. Um, he's a fantastic player and a fantastic goal scorer. Hopefully he'll be around for longer, for at least till the end of the season. Um, yeah. Any any mild whispers in the back of your mind for Burnt Leno, who has started at least this nineteen twenty been, season pretty yeah, well? Yeah, he's he's had a good year. He's been much better than I expected when um, we purchased him because I had not heard great things about him from people who watch Bundesliga. Uh, but he's been really good. I can see there are like definitely flaws in his game. He's not that commanding of his penalty area, but as a shot stopper, he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yeah, if there's a second, 
Uh, it's probably him, considering Lacazette's had a bit of a stop and start season this year. Um, so yeah, I think he's a pretty clear second. Okay, so Newcastle Player of the Year uh, for 2019. It's a difficult one, really, because you know it's a genuine case for giving it to two players that aren't at the club anymore. Um, it, in Salomon Rondon and Ayoso Perez, who are both in- incredible um, for the first half of the year. Um, but that that would probably be a little bit unfair on, on some of the players that are still here and have been here for the duration of the year. So I'll look at the uh, who's still at the club, but it, it, I think the the overwhelming choice um, would be uh, Martin Dubravka. I just think that there aren't many better goalkeepers in the Premier League. Uh, yes, he does make a couple of errors, it, but I feel that's common for every single goalie in the league outside of Allison and Edison, really. Um, but the, the amount of points he's won us, especially this season, he's made so many crucial saves, even over the last few weeks, which, you know, it's a little bit of recency bias. But against Sheffield United, he made a couple of key saves when it was 1-0. Um, yesterday, again, he had a really good game. Um, and against Southampton, he, he had a, a good game as well. So he is just really consistent. Um, and he just makes so many good saves. Like I don't, In terms of shot stopping, he is one of probably the top five keepers in, in the Premier League. And the fact that We've signed him from the Czech Republic as a 29-year-old. It's just a great piece of scouting by whoever did do that. Um, and yeah, he's he signed a new contract this year as well, so he's going to be here for the next few years at least. Um, and yeah, he's he's been excellent this year. Um, and I'd expect that you could probably copy and paste what I've said now for next year as well. He's probably going to be just as good as and consistent and valuable to Newcastle. And I think that... All right, and we will wrap up with match previews. Dan, we'll start with you yet again. Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Uh, Going to have to travel there to the Vitality Stadium. Uh, what are you expecting we see in this one in what I assume will be the first full match under Mikel Arteta? Yeah, it's kind of hard to know what to expect uh, since it's Arteta's first match, and we know nothing about him as a manager because he's never managed a game before. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know who he's going to play because, again, we have no idea. Um we will, as as Arsenal always do, we have a uh, fitness issue at fullback around the Christmas period. That happens every year. Why break tradition now? Um, so it'll it'll be a weird team just due to who's available. But um, as far as who plays, it'll be an interesting what, thing to determine. Um, you know who he'll use for the rest of the season. Um, and as far as style, I would expect us to at least attempt to be on the front foot. That is kind of. That's the expectation for Arteta, more of a forward-thinking manager and um, thinks more about our team than the opposing team. Um, but I, you know, there's only so much we can know about a manager who's never managed a game before. Um, it'll be very, very interesting, and you know, we we will likely learn a lot. I, oh, I think we will learn a lot um, from that game. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, we see a little bit of cities tactics in him of course with that being where he was assistant for so long but yeah it'll be interesting to see what kind of brand he established for himself as a manager as you say he has not done that yet and jake will come to you next to talk about manchester united versus newcastle this is going to be a really interesting game i think um manchester united 
had shown some sort some sort of revival after the wins over Spurs and Manchester City, but it seems to be um, that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer can't coach teams against um, teams that sit deep. Uh, he can't find a way to to win those games on a consistent basis. Yeah, there's been there's been a few times where they've they've come out on top, but it seems just to be a, a mental block of the team that they can't cope with it. And we saw it again against Watford today. It was a a poor error from from David De Gea for the first goal, but f- for the second, it was a really poor piece of defending um, from Wamba Saka. And he's been he's been threatening to give penalties away like that all season, and it finally happened on a breakaway. Uh, and the amount of times that De Lafeo got through um, in a one on one situation on a Manchester United defender w- w- was incredible. And if we you know, he didn't make the most of that. It could easily have been more if Watford were more clinical. Um, and that, that was Pedigas to side that had scored nine goals before today. Um, so, I mean, Newcastle aren't too much better than that with 18, but, you know, it's double the amount. And we, we've got players that can cause some problems on, on the counter-attack. I'd I'd maybe, I'd, I'd expect Almond to have a big part to play. Uh, Shelby, uh, for creating from deep, is it, going to cause some problems. Um, and I think maybe even Christian Atsu might might be one to, to bring in um with his pace as well, um, and possibly even Dwight Gale, like that we've got the we do have pace in the team, and I think that we we can definitely cause some problems. I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of pressure on Solskjaer to get a result on Boxing Day. Uh, I saw today that Pochettino's now gone odds on favour to be the next Manchester United manager. Like that's only going to build if they keep uh, if they keep dropping points. Somehow they are level on points with Newcastle in the league, so we've got that motivation of if we go there and win, we can move above them. Which, yes, man, they are in a poor state at the moment, but still Manchester United and to to be above them in the Premier League at the halfway stage would be incredible for Newcastle. So we've got that as well, beating them already this season, um, and we were probably the better team on that day. I think Saint Maximum was crucial. Um, he won't be available uh, on Thursday, but. Still think that we've got a huge chance, and if we if we can really limit them in the first half and, and keep it at nil nil, I think the pressure is really going to build, and the atmosphere could, could t- sort of turn toxic. Um, the one worry I have is Pogba coming back. Uh, I think we saw when he came on today the creativity brought. Imagine United probably should have scored once, if not twice, when he was on the pitch. He, he did open up a lot of doors for them. Uh, and if he comes into the starting eleven, he's somebody that can cause us real problems. But I'm not sure if they will bring him in that quickly. Um, maybe the situation and, and the vulnerability of Solskjaer might mean that he does it uh, out of necessity. But yeah, it, it's definitely an opportunity for us. Um, I'm going to say we draw one all. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it could go any three ways. Uh, it really depends probably if Pogba plays uh, and what, Manchester United team turns up because I I think we'll get a pretty consistent Newcastle performance out of it. We'll be solid at the back, be difficult to break through. And I think maybe that first goal will be key. If they get a first goal early, we might get beaten two or three. But if if we can limit them, keep it nil nil, and get a goal in early in the second half, I think we've got a real opportunity to win. But I'll say one all uh, and hedge my bets on this one. Yeah, it's definitely been a weird period of late <laughs> under Solskjaer with. Uh, big wins against Tottenham and City and then weird losses like today against Watford who hadn't won at all. So uh, you definitely have a chance for sure. And as you say, chance to move ahead of them in the table. All right, that will do it for our show today. Thanks to you guys so much for joining us. If there's anything you'd like to plug or want to tell people where they could reach you, now would be a good time. 
All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm still Dan. I'm still an Arsenal fan, and you can still get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you get me on Twitter at Jake Jack with two ends. I think we will have a championship show, hopefully, uh, recorded tomorrow morning. So that should be out before Christmas. Um, so give that one a listen when it does come out. Yeah, as always, show a little love to our championship show, Jake, and the guys do a fantastic job over there. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. I've stopped most of my writing gigs, but as always, excellent fantasy coverage over at ESPN and Goal. And then, obviously, great matches come out of Omnisport as well. So check all of those things out, even though I'm not at any of them anymore. But anyway, as we say, that'll do it for us today. Thanks again for you guys for joining us today. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.